Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 9, Secrets. (gasps) So many secrets this week. So much to talk about. So much happens. None of them are actually about the antiperspirant? No. 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 None of them are about that. No. Slightly misleading, but okay. (laughs) We'll see. The deodorant is just called Secret. Singular. So that might be where you're getting confused. But I mean, could have been talking about like more than one. I suppose the different scents, maybe. Yeah. Mm, perhaps. Mm. Okay. Yep. Okay. But no, no deodorant this week. Okay. All maybe right. next week. Maybe we shall see. Actually, no, next week. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next fine. Week. Next Keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this episode, Secrets, aired on August 21st, 1998. It was written by Terry Curtis Fox and directed by Dwayne Clark. And in this episode, the entire Stargate project is threatened when a reporter declares he will reveal to the world the mysteries of the top secret portal. Jack attempts to stop him while Sam discovers that her estranged father is dying of cancer. On Abydos, Tilk and Daniel find Sharae pregnant with the child of Apophis and Ammonet. That's a like that's a really big episode. So this, many pivot points right there. Oh yeah, this is yeah. yeah. So much happens this week. So much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Including at the very beginning, we get the return of Eric Avari as Kasuf. Yay! Yay! So we're in the briefing room looking at Malp footage of Kasuf because it has apparently been one year to the day, as Daniel promised at the end of Children of the Gods, when he would return with Sharae. And even though he doesn't have Sharae, he's like, I still need to go back and explain things because if I don't go back, they're going to bury the Stargate forever, as Daniel told them to do. And Jack's like, even that Sharae is a ghoul, and Daniel's like, I mean, yeah, I kind of got to tell them, like, what's happened. And even if it's not good news, they deserve to know, which, I mean, yes, they do. So, unfortunately, Jack and Sam have to be in D.C. for a thing, so they're not available to go with him. But Daniel's like, it's fine. It's Abydos. Besides, Tilk is perfectly safe company to go back with him, which Tilk is, like, very honored that, you know, Daniel would think so highly of him, which I think, you know, sort of shows good growth with their friendship so yeah absolutely so remind me why you think it's so important that they had absolutely no contact with abydos for an entire year i don't think it was it was necessarily that they didn't have contact it was that they wanted to seal the gate to help keep them safe for so like apophis couldn't like immediately come back and like other gold couldn't come through like Yes, there's the ships and stuff, but that takes some time. But sort of cutting off the Stargate just sort of dials down the threat level a little bit. So were they supposed to bury it and then unbury it? Yeah, so like when he left Abydos to like head back to Earth for the first time, sort of like, I guess in like the middle of Children of the Gods, he told them, you know, he's going to go back to Earth, bury the gate in one year, unbury it, and I'll come back. Okay. So it has been one Abedonian year okay. at this point. So I had I had forgotten that part, and I was like, "Why in the world has it been so long?" Because as long as yeah. they were just traveling around the galaxy everywhere, they could have just like popped in every now and then. Yeah, I think it was just 
because, you know, that attack had just happened, it's like, okay, let's cut off the Stargate to try and keep them as safe as possible while I'm out doing my finding Jare and um, Skara thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't mention Skara at all in the episode. No, they, they don't. They did not. That just occurred to me as I just said his name right now. I was like, but they didn't say anything about him. No, not even once. Nope. No. No. Mm, nothing. Mm, no. no. Very interesting. All right. So Daniel gets to go to head back to Abydos. So he and Tilk head off to Abydos while Jack and Sam are going to head to DC. So back on Abydos, Daniel introduces Tilk and Kusuf, who say some things to each other in Abydonian slash Jaffa slash ancient Egyptian, and they seem to understand each other, which is great. And Did then you come up with your own version of what they could have possibly said. Um, I, no, I did. I didn't think that hard like, about it. Hello, I like your shoes. <laughs> Where did you I buy mean, your hat? Thank I you. come in. I come in peace. Maybe I renounce Apophis is my one true god. I, mm, maybe something to sort of you know prove he's not the evil Jaffa that Kisuf may assume him to be. I'm going with you. Went with I like your shoes. Where did you buy your hat? Okay, and then what was Kisuf's reply? Thank you. I made this hat. I will make you one tomorrow. Okay. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You need to cover your forehead anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very, yeah. Very, yeah. Um, So uh, Daniel then gets like down on one knee to like beg Kasuf's forgiveness for not bringing back Sharae. But like Kasuf doesn't really seem bothered. He's like, yeah, okay, come with me. And uh, off they go. And Kasuf leads them through the village back to his tent where we see Sharae. And Tilk immediately, like, pulls his zat, aims it at her when she stands up and reveals that she is pregnant. Very pregnant. And fun fact, Vaitieri is actually pregnant with Michael Shanks' child. <gasps> what? As we cut to the opening credits. So, yes, so that 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 is that is uh, Tatiana, I believe, currently on screen as the soon to be born child. Uh, so, yep. There you go. Real pregnant people so, on TV. So do you think they were like, hey, as long as you're pregnant, we could totally work this into an episode? I mean, I don't know what came first. If the we need to bring back Share and then, oh, wait, she's pregnant or hey, and she's pregnant. Like, and she Ooh. something. It, yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, the robes are very, it's very easy to hide things, you know, in baggy robes. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's definitely a very interesting storyline. <laughs> it is. So when we come back from the credits, uh, we see Kasuf, who basically, like, jumps in front of Share to protect her from the Zat. And Daniel kind of, like, puts his hand on uh, Tilk's arm to be like, no, don't do it. And then there's just, like, a lot of sort of arguing back and forth and Daniel's like who are you where's my wife and you're not her and she's like yes I am because she doesn't have the ghouly voice thing going on Mm -hmm. so there's there's something up with the situation and eventually we get out from Share that the ghoul inside of her called Amonet is asleep because she's pregnant and if the ghoul stayed in control the child would be stillborn and then we get from Tilk that he has never heard of a Gould fathering a human child. Usually it's just, you know, the Gould queen with the little snake things. And that's how right, they right, do right. their things. 
Um, because, oh yeah, did we mention Apophis is the father? Yeah, now you have to imagine them having sex. I know. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so they're like, oh shit, Apophis is here. And she's like, no. Luckily, okay, luckily, no, Apophis is not there, which is one good thing at this point. Also, how had they never had this conversation before? Like, I was trying to imagine how it was like when she came back. Was she just like, hey, and everyone was like, that's cool. I don't need to ask you any questions about this. This situation seems completely normal. (laughs) Yeah, and also, if the Stargate was buried, did they come and ship and, like, drop her off and then go away? I guess they had to. Which also does not seem weird at all if the ghoul just kind of like hearing you here i yeah it's like a ghoul ship drops off Share who is pregnant and everybody's like this is fine and don't ask any more questions until daniel shows up yeah because somewhere in there like when daniel's talking to her and the father's like what is this and she's like it's true it's true like how did she not know this already yeah like the first three questions that were asked i mean yeah i don't know she's like yeah it's daniel's but he's not here and like so she was like you know in shame but you know trying to tell them like a different shame than what it actually is or something i don't know i don't know yeah maybe she did lie and just say it's daniel's but yeah to wait for him yes so um but apparently, so Apophis is not there, and he's hidden Sharae away so that others may not learn the true purpose of the child, which is to be his next host. Also creepy. Yeah. And basically, there's just, like, a long, slow close-up of Daniel going, like, what the fuck, mentally? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can just see the gears turning in his head of, like, what did, what? Did you just say, you said what? And then he just kind of has to like, nope, out of the tent. And like, because mm-hmm. what I, yeah, I don't, I would probably very much like Daniel. Like, I'm sorry. What is happening? What did you say? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, I understand, but no, I can't. Rachel. Yeah. What do you know about Ammonette? Oh, absolutely nothing. Would you not like even, to know something? Not even a little bit. I would love to know some things. Okay. Uh, so, Emmanette, who is the ghoul inside Charay, her name means the hidden one. She is one of the primordial goddesses with Thebes as the center of her worship through the last dynasty in 30 BC. So, being wait, one of the. Wait, was she any of the characters in The Mummy? Uh, yeah. I feel like she's in there somewhere. May, may, oh crap, maybe. Hang on. <laughs> Google. Because that does the. Ominate. Uh, that. Um, in the new mummy. Oh. The evil chick was Aminette. The Tom Cruise uh, one? Yeah, the bad one that we don't talk about because it's terrible. Dude, uh, she bitch laughs Tom Cruise across the room and it's hilarious. That is the only reason why to watch that movie. And I mean, Maron Kanzari is in it, so he's he's good too. But yeah, no, sorry, Brendan 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 Fraser's mummy has mummy supremacy. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, hang on, the mummy returns character. Let's see. Uh, it's Anaxunamun Nefertiti, and Anaxunamun. So. Yes, it's just in the new one. The bad chick is Aminette. 
Alrighty then. Okay. Does it fit with what you're going to say? Um. Uh, well, I haven't seen that one. So oh. <laughs> I I will tell you what I learned, and you can tell me how it fits with the the Tom Cruise mummy. How's that? Okay. Okay. So being one of the primordial goddesses, it means she was part of this group that existed prior to creation. Um, that group was called the Ogdoid, which is the group of eight primordial gods and goddesses who were basically like paired up. Like there was always like a sort of a male and a female pair. Mm -hmm. And she belonged to the couple and was known as Night, with her male counterpart being Amun, who was the creator god. So as Amun is the creator god, Amonet became known as the mother of creation, and Egyptians believed that the acacia tree from which all life sprang came from her. She was also associated with death due to the meaning of her name, the Hidden One, and many believed she was the goddess who received the dead at the gates of the underworld. Oh. So how does, how does that fit with Tom Cruise's The Mummy? Um, I don't really remember, but it feels like it would fit. Okay. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll see if I can find it somewhere. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it. Okay. All right. So that's Amonet for you. So after Daniel nopes out of the tent, we cut to Sam and Jack in DC. And Jack's like, I always get lost here, but Sam spent two years there working on the Stargate. So she's got this. She's fine. FYI, make note of Jack's response to Sam in this conversation because it will come back later. <gasps> I'll tell you about it. Um, so I don't know well, if you're you not actually say their conversation. You're just gonna be like, hmm, okay, they right. say stuff. They say. Uh, they, say oops, they say. I can navigate my way around the galaxy, but I can't find my way around DC. Oh, it's my old stomping ground, sir. Blah 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 blah. Something else. And then Jack. Okay, so Carter goes. Don't worry, sir. These are my old stomping grounds. And Jack goes. Sorry to hear that. And Sam goes, tears at the Pentagon trying to make the Stargate program a reality. I'd say it was time well spent considering. Mm. So that's their conversation. Please keep that in mind for later. Yeah. So, Put that away in your brain pocket. Yeah. So I don't know if you noticed as they were like walking down the steps, there was this really cool bird statue in the background. Oh, I didn't know. So I decided to look it up because I was like, hey, what's that statue? Where are they? Like, I know they're in Vancouver, but what exactly is this? Where are they? What's that thing? So apparently that is actually the Vancouver Art Gallery. Oh. And uh, the statue is known as the Bird of Spring by Inuit artist Abraham Etungat. Uh, and so it's sort of on the steps to this. Uh, uh, in the, there's a sort of square in uh, the University of British Columbia where the Vancouver Art Gallery is. Uh, it's actually an authorized replica of the original, which is only 14 centimeters tall, which is about one and a half inches. And it was installed in 1979. Oh, fun. So there you go. Cool. Bird. Mm-hmm. Bird is so, bird. <laughs> so Sam and Jack make their way to the gala reception thing for whatever award they're getting. And Hammond is already there and he's like doing his schmoozy thing. And Jack goes to get him and Sam some punch when Hammond, like, waves Sam over. And the man standing with Hammond turns around. And who is it? Oh, my God. It's Sam's dad. Surprise. Sam has a father. Yes. Uh, R.I.P. Carmen Argenziano. We love you. We miss you. You were great. Um, he was wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
So from there, we cut back to Abydos, where, like, Shari is, like, completely devastated in her father's arms, despairing that, like, Daniel no longer loves her. And Tilka's like, on the contrary, he loves you very much. And we also learn here that apparently Shari can access the memories of Amonet because she, like, she knows who Tilk is other than just being the one who, like, selected her to be the host. Like, she knows he's the one who betrayed Apophis. She has memories of, like, Apophis, like, cursing and railing his name. And he's the reason why Apophis is in the position that he's in and that he has no position anymore with the system lords. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So, Tilk is, like, that's very interesting information and, like, heads out to go find Daniel and tells him that they need to get Shari back to Earth because the memories she can access from Amonet would be immensely valuable to the SGC. And Daniel is very, very just immediately against this plan, which I was kind of like, it, it seems like he immediately goes to, if we take her back to Earth, I must immediately give her to Mayborn in which bad things would happen, which... I mean, what would this no? plan anyway? Yeah, and it's like, but I'm kind of with Tilk here because, like, Tilk is making like the information we could get from Share about because she has access to the whole ghoul genetic memory. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just what Aminette knows because Aminette, well, it is, but Aminette knows everything. So there's also no reason, you know, you take her back to the SGC, you don't file any reports on it. You report that Daniel and Tilk came back. Why would they have to tell anybody that Shari came back? They don't have to. If, you know, bad things will happen. And, like, you do what you need to do with the SGC. Like, Yeah, I I didn't really understand that whole emotion because, like, in his whole search for her the entire time, like, what was going to be his plan anyway? I assumed that they were going to find her and bring her back to Earth and find a way to help her. How is this? Yeah. <laughs> Different yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, so then Tilk, goes on, Tilk then goes on to call Daniel selfish for refusing to bring Shari back to Earth. And um, I like his, his speech is really interesting. He goes, more sorry for yourself, it appears, than for Shari. Within a matter of days, Shari will give birth. The gold within her will reawaken. Apophis will take this child and leave Abydos forever. That is the fate you choose for Shari by allowing her to stay. So really... Yeah, because he's 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 expanding there that it's not just the information that's valuable. It's like we can save Share, we can protect her from having to go back with Apophis, which isn't that what you want out of this. Like I get her being pregnant kind of complicates things, but not really that much. Mm-hmm. Like you have found Share. Share is here. Ta-da! Go your plan. Save her. Rescue her. Yep. Take her. Take her now. Yeah. Um, so Daniel then kind of is like, uh, he kind of gives in, I guess, to what Tilk is saying. And so he heads back into the tent so he can have some alone time with Shari. And back in DC, uh, apparently Hammond personally invited Sam's dad, Jacob, to the ceremony. What, what a lovely surprise, sir. You can tell Sam is just oh so thrilled. Yay. Surprise. And they apparently served together back when the Air Force was like still in its prime as Jacob does that thing where he tries to talk about how great things were back in the day, but just ends up kind of vaguely insulting everything that's happening like right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so apparently why they're here is that Sam and Jack are up for the air medal 
for their work in analysis of deep space radar telemetry. So I decided to look in what, into what the air metal is. Mm -hmm. And based on what I found, they should not actually be eligible for the air metal with the, their cover story being deep space radar telemetry. So the basic requirement of the air medal is a single acts of achievement to any member of the U.S. armed forces who distinguished themselves by heroism, outstanding achievement, or by meritorious service while participating in an aerial flight. So the real reason they're receiving it is because they blew up Apophis's ship, which, yes, would qualify for that, but... Their cover story has nothing to do with them being in an aerial flight. They shouldn't be getting the air medal because their cover story kind of disqualifies them from it. Well, so, yeah, I mean, they could have gone with the Defense Distinguished Service Medal, which is for exceptionally distinguished performance of duty contributing to the national security or defense of the United States. That might be a better fit. Um, well, you totally should have just written in to the writers and been like, hey, hey, you picked the wrong, wrong medal, which I'm I'm curious because the right the like the production was so involved with like the Air Force. Why did nobody from the Air Force be like, hey, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they didn't care. I don't know. Maybe they did. And the writers were just like, yeah, but this one sounds better. I don't know. So There's, we're going to go with this one. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed kind of like... What is the cover story that they give the world about uh, the ship explosions? Uh, comets or, like, meteors, I think. And the, the cover for, like, the Stargate operation in NORAD is deep space radar telemetry. So they sit looking at telescopes and radar data and analyze it. Maybe they analyzed it in flight. <laughs> They, they were on a plane when they had their aha moment. Yes, maybe they were on a plane and they were like, look, Comet, surely I must go deep space analyze it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> maybe they were like, look, a Comet, I must go take a closer look. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. That's I don't know. Work. Yeah, I don't know. The award just doesn't quite line up with what the cover story would have to be to the public and people that would know these things. But anyway. Um, so Can you by this. figure out if like the medals on all of their uniforms were accurate either? That would be. Um, I haven't specifically. Like I remember seeing like little things here and there. That things are maybe slightly out of order. But like those things always are. Because I think mm -hmm. they kind of have to be. Because if they oh, were exact. They can't portray it accurately exactly. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like on TV movies and stuff. Things like that. Have to not be in order so as to not be, you know, pretending to be a member of the actual armed forces, I think. Uh, so you can't actually impersonate a member of the armed forces. Yeah. Or or tell other people how to do it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Something like that, I think. Got it. I think. So by this time... Kinda, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. But I also kind of wonder if that's the same kind of deal. If you notice, like, all money in yeah. movies just looks... So, like Monopoly money, fake. Yeah. I also wonder if that's kind of why. Is yeah. Can't. Yeah. There, there are definitely like laws and rules about legal tender or on camera and stuff mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Fun. 
tangent over. Yes. And the the interesting thing is my tangent now, uh, the whole, the uniform (laughs) thing, I think even extends to the post office, like the post office. Oh, really? Yeah. I believe so. Because you can't go around impersonating a post officer. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, interfering with mail is a federal crime. So I did have one of my neighbors. I think I told you this story off, offline, off recording of one of my neighbors. When we had a block party here, she put just like a flyer in everybody's mailbox. And then she said mm-hmm. later, like, that's officially illegal. You can't actually put stuff in people's mailbox unless it's, you know, actually mailed there. And I was like, oh, man, you have broken federal law. You hound. You have broken. You rebel. And she's like, yes, I know. I totally did. Yeah. I think, though, that's why these days you see a lot of mailboxes have, like, the closed mail thing and then a sort of open cubby underneath. I think it's you can put stuff in the open cubby but not in the actual, like, sealed mailbox thing. So people can, yeah, put flyers and crap in there. You suppose there ever was a mail worker that saw that happening and they were like, oh, no, not on my watch. And they tried to make like a postal service workers, citizens type arrest of like, oh, no. I think they got bigger things to deal with. than you have just broken federal law. You Uh, did not mail that parcel. If so, I would like to meet that person and find out how how they have that much time on their hands. (laughs) Now okay. I'm picturing that as like the best cheesiest movie ever, just based around somebody trying to arrest somebody for putting in a fly, and it just snowballs and just like you know something ridiculous happens. Give it to Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> the mailbox would explode. Yes. <laughs> All of the mailboxes would explode. No. It's a transformer. No. <laughs> This could be the awesomest movie ever. Michael Bay, if you're listening. (laughs) Yes, because Michael Bay listens to You don't know. I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, In fact, he doesn't. You're right, I know. He could be really, really bored. Like, (laughs) so bored. (laughs) Searching through podcasts. I mean, quarantine has been a bitch for everybody. Let's just face it. We were number 75 in Germany. Hey, there you go. Hey, thanks. Thank you, all our German listeners out there. Danke. One of three things I know how to say German, and I will not say the other two for fear of repercussions. None of them are Wiener Schnitzel? Um, Yeah, I well, Okay, there's that. And then I know two other random phrases my brother taught me. I will not repeat. That only say it when you're drunk in a bar. Yep. Fantastic. (laughs) Moving Mm -hmm. on. Are we ready to move on? Are we done here? <laughs> Tangent done. Tangent done. Great. Yours, mine, ours. <laughs> okay. So by this time now, Jack has returned with the punch and is introduced to Sam's dad, who's like, nice to meet you. I've heard nothing about you. And Sam's like, I talk about you all the time. But Jacob, like, he doesn't seem bothered by it at all. And then Jack excuses himself, saying he wants to go get some fresh air with the general, captain, general, waiter, as mm-hmm. Jack does. And then Hammond also excuses himself to go make the rounds. So now we have Sam and Jacob finally alone together. And uh, Jacob tells Sam that her cover story could use some work. And she's like, what cover story, Dad? He's like, okay, sure, I get it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, whatever you're doing could not possibly be as exciting as actually going to space with NASA. 
apparently Sam's dreamest child was to be an astronaut. And he's just like, oh, if only you knew, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went there yesterday. Yes, I was just there. Um, we then cut out to Jack, who's walking around outside and is sort of like being stared at suspiciously by some dude in a tweed jacket. And um, apparently there's a little goof here with Jack uh, because apparently when a member of the military is is in um, like full dress and is outdoors, they must always be wearing their hat. Ah. Apparently like in really bad form to not be wearing a hat. Like, oh. I saw comments, like, all over the place about how is he not wearing his hat. It's like, well, because Richard Dean Anderson doesn't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. Um, but, because, like, if if you look, even when they're in, like, the, the green BDUs, there are apparently specific regulations about how you're supposed to roll up the sleeve. And RDA does not do that, like, at all. Um, mm. But, yes, apparently, anytime Jack is outside, he should be wearing his hat, and he is not. So. Ah, okay. Yes. Uh, we then have a quick jump back to Abydos where basically Daniel and Sharae make up. He loves her. She loves him. And he hates what's been done to her. And she asks him to stay. And he's like, I can't because I want you to come back with me. Yay. So, yay. You should have been like, like right now. We need to leave like right now. Well, I mean, Tilk does say that in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. But yes, so Sharae is going to head back to Earth with Daniel, maybe. So back with Sam, apparently Jacob has pulled some strings to get Sam into NASA, or at least not like actually into NASA, but basically like at the top of the waiting list. And she's like, you can't do that. A, that's really rude to everybody else on the waiting list. And B, I really like my job. What I do is important. And Jacob's like, just do it for me. And she's like, oh, this is about you. Got it. So he was like, all right, fine, never mind, let's go, discussion done. And Jack has found his way to a bar where he is approached by the man in tweed we saw earlier. Apparently this man Can we call is, him Tweedman? Uh, well, his name is Armin Zelig. No, I want to call him Tweedman. I mean, you, you may proceed to call him Tweedman if you'd like. I will, uh, thank you. Okay, so his name is Armin Zelig and he's a journalist and he, <laughs> he orders a beer and Jack like kind of hands him his like mostly empty glass. And it's like, here, have mine. I haven't touched it <laughs> as he goes to leave. Um, and so Armin goes heading back to the Stargate so soon. And Jack actually does a pretty like admiral job of like playing dumb with this guy. But obviously, you know, Armin doesn't believe it. And he's like, I have something you should hear. And it's the recording of the conversation he had earlier with Sam. However, when he plays the tape back in the original conversation, when Jack says, sorry to hear that about, you know, how Sam spent so much time in D.C. in the recording, Jack says, my condolences. (laughs) Whoops. Oh, that's funny. Somebody wasn't paying attention there. (laughs) Which I I, I really don't know how that got messed up. But yeah. So funny. Uh, But apparently that's not all this guy has. He has a source that has told him all about the Stargate and that it can send people halfway across the galaxy and back. And 
Jack manages to come up with like a fairly convincing lie that the C-5 Galaxy is one of the largest transport aircraft in the world because of his comment about how he can navigate across the galaxy but can't navigate across DC. And he's like, that's what I was talking about with the whole navigating thing. And so Armin's like, and so the Stargate, he's like, yeah, I don't, I, you got me there. I don't know what you're talking about. And then just walks off. So, and then, boop, bye. So back on Abydos, Daniel and Tilk are telling Share and Kusuf basically all of the stuff that would happen if Share came back to Earth. Like they would study her and the Gould, try and maybe figure out what's keeping the Gould asleep, what she knows and remembers about, you know, all of the Gould stuff. But like Daniel will be there with her the whole time. He won't let them hurt her. But Kasuf is concerned that when Apophis comes back and sees Sharae's not there, he'll just, like, burn the village down in retaliation. And they're like, well, just tell him an enemy of Apophis. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. And they're like, well, just tell her and then tell him an enemy of Apophis came and stole the child. And he's like, well, that would be the truth then. Yes, there you go. You don't have to say which enemy, just an enemy. And there you go. So then the other concern, though, is that once she does give birth, and the ghoul awaken, she would basically be kept in a cage until they can figure out, like, how to get the ghoul out of her. Which, uh, Samaria, Thor, Thor's hammer, that, does that ring a bell? You know, the thing that got fixed a couple weeks ago when you actually met Thor? I mean, you have a way to get the ghoul out of her? Yeah. How, how is everybody just blanking on that? I yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, okay. Shari's going to go back to Earth with them, and they need to go right now. So, they're going to go. <laughs> and back in D.C., Hammond is apparently talking to somebody about a boxing match, based on the terminology he is using. When uh, Jack comes in and sort of politely pulls Hammond away to tell him about the apparent leak, Jack, of course, you know, denied everything. But he's like, if that guy knows who I am and that I'm here... He obviously knows a lot, so they need to figure out the situation and what to do, like, ASAP. Meanwhile, back on Abydos. Meanwhile, back on Abydos. I keep waiting for a good opportunity. Meanwhile. (laughs) Do-do-do-do. Daniel, Tilk, and Shari are making their way to the gate when a ghouled mothership approaches. This seems to do... Something to, like, the ghoul inside Share, and for a moment, Amonet resurfaces, and it's like, my lord comes for me, and Share just manages... Like she does it just like that. Yes, she does. My lord comes for me. Um, We're terrible ghoul voices. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Share either manages to fight her off, or she goes back to sleep by herself, but it seems that Amonet waking up has forced Share into labor. So... Not- not, no, not good. They are, like, in, like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go kind of situation. And so, so is she. Yeah, yeah. So Tilk starts dialing the gate, but he is unfortunately not able to complete dialing the gate before the transport rings activate. So he goes to help Shari and Daniel hide as the rings deposit our old friend Harrower and some of his Jaffa. And they notice that the DHD is still lit with a few of the symbols active, but that the dialing was not complete. And he's like, fine, Jare, bring her to me now. So we, we now have Harrower to deal with on top of everything else here. Oh, man. Yes. 
Um, back in DC, Jack, Sam, and Hammond are discussing the situation that they find themselves in. Jack thinks the leak is somebody from inside the SGC. Sam and Hammond are like, they nobody in there would do that to us and think it must be somebody on the political side of things. Maybe our good friend Senator Kinsey. Mm-hmm. And Hammond's like, well, civilians have to sign NDAs and they could be prosecuted under the Espionage Act for leaking confidential information. And Hammond wants to know exactly what this guy knows. So Jack's going to go let that guy find him. Would you like to know some information about the Espionage Act? I would love to know some. Wait, are we allowed to know? Well, I, I visited like three different websites that talk about it, so I really hope so. <laughs> what sort of list are you on now? I know, like, oh shit, what am I? <laughs> like, I still maintain all the things you've been looking up. Like, you got to be on some list somewhere by now. All the military terms, the Espionage Act. Oh, I'm sure I'm on the list somewhere. Um, How to specifically infiltrate a military facility. I mean, honestly, <laughs> some of your internet searches are just oddly specific. Uh, so the Espionage Act that Hammond is referring to is the Espionage Act of 1917, and it was passed on June 15th, 1917, just two months after we entered World War One. So it was created as uh, an act to punish acts of interference with foreign relations, the neutrality, and the foreign commerce of the United States to punish espionage and better to enforce the criminal laws of the United States and for other purposes. Uh, It was also intended to prohibit interference with military operations or recruitment to prevent insubordination within the military and to prevent the support of U.S. enemies during wartime. If you are convicted of gathering and delivering defense information in violation of the Espionage Act in order to aid a foreign government, you could be sentenced to life in prison or face a death sentence. Economic espionage can also lead to 15 years of imprisonment and up to a $5 million fine. You may know the names Edward Snowden and Julian Assange. They have been indicted on charges that they violated the Espionage Acts for the information that they leaked to the public. Ooh, so it's so it's 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 still alive and well in <laughs> still alive and kicking over well, hundred years still later. Alive and kicking. Um, I did read like it has been stripped down somewhat. Wait, what was it from? Was 1917, World War One. 1917, okay. Yeah, yeah. so oh. it's over, so it's 104 years old. It, it has been stripped back a little bit. I don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty about it, but some of the stuff I was reading was, like, um, because there were instances of, like, newspapers attempting to be indicted on charges for just publishing news, like, not sort of, like, massive intelligence leaks like Snowden and Assange did, just general news. Um, but those were never went anywhere. So it has been stripped back a little bit in sort of its broad reaching scope and is a little more, I think, specific now in what actually constitutes espionage and the violation of such things. So Yeah, it does get pretty sticky with the news when you're just yeah. trying to be like, the people need to know. And people yeah. are like, the people don't need to know that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's where things get tricky these days. So and that's exactly what, you know, why Snowden and Assange are like not in the U.S. So they can't be like extradited and like sent to prison and you know, all that stuff. So, yeah. Meanwhile, back on Abydos. Meanwhile. Uh, Sharae is in active labor with Daniel trying to help her through it. And 
Um, Tilk tells them that it was not Apophis, but Harewer who came through and he will find them. And Daniel tries to reassure Share that they're safe because remember, this is where they hid from Ra before. And Tilk's all like, you're not safe. And he's like, remember, once the baby comes, Aminette will return. Daniel's like, thanks, Tilk. That's that's super helpful in this very stressful time. But Daniel's like, I'm I'm not leaving Share alone. So Tilk's like, all right, I'll do my best to hold them off. So it's like, I get Tilk kind of needed. You you didn't need to remind Daniel of it. Like Daniel knows what the deal is, but also Share's in labor. Well, it sounded like Tilk was trying to get Daniel to like leave, right? I I think da- Tilk took Daniel's like we're safe here a little too literally rather than it being her, him just trying to sort of keep Sharae sort of calm and in control by reassuring her that this I mean it is a safe place they've hid there before maybe Hera will find them who knows but Tilk's like you will never hide from him and she's like okay Tilk like thank you thanks 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 buddy okay, go 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 hold them off we'll be fine. So back on Earth, Jack and Armin do the cliche thing of like, I'm not trying to get you to tell me what you know, but please tell me what you know. Oh, you want me to tell you what I know? Uh, Okay, so here's what Armin knows. Jack is the team leader of a unit called SG-1. Between 9 and 12 such units operate out of Cheyenne Mountain under NORAD. Which is where we finally find out how many teams there actually are. I mean, there could be up to 15 at this point, but he only knows about 12. Um, Man, don't rain on a parade. I was really excited to be like, aha! (laughs) Yes. I mean, I believe we have had references to SG-12, like, in one of the last few episodes. So, yeah. So, there are 12. It's just a nod to that. Lame. Um, I'm going to go back to being stead. I'm sorry. Uh, They use the device called the Stargate to travel light years from Earth. Uh, The program costs over $7 billion, and the Defense Department hopes to bring back superior technologies to offset those costs. And the two brilliant flashes in the night sky a few months ago were really alien ships on their way to attack Earth, in which Jack blew them up. Jack does, I think, a fairly admirable job of either denying or just, like, not responding to anything, being like, wow, that's quite the story you have there. Like, nobody's going to believe it. But, I mean, if you want to run with that, have fun. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I, I'll give you one thing. It's O'Neill with two L's. There's another O'Neill with only one L, and he has no sense of humor. Which, do you know what like that's referenced to? No, I knew it had to be something, though. It's referenced to the movie in that Kurt Russell's Jack O'Neill had one L. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who really, you know, had no sense of humor about anything, so. Okay, that's funny. I knew it had to be something. Yep. That's funny. Yep. Yeah, well done. Yep. So Jack starts to like walk back up the stairs as Armin follows and they sort of get like one last dig at each other before Armin walks away. And then the squealing of tires catches Jack's attention and he can only watch helplessly as Armin is run down by a car while still on the sidewalk. And so he runs down to him and tells like a nearby officer to call 911. And Armin is like, you did this. So apparently Armin thinks the SGC is responsible. And Jack's like, we know this is not us. We wouldn't do this. But then it doesn't really matter because Armin is dead. Tweedman, no. Who do you think killed Armin? Well, you know, I really did not remember this episode whatsoever, so I don't remember any of the continuation of any of these developments. 
I have no clue. Okay. Uh, we then have a very quick scene back on Abydos where the guards have questioned the locals who do confirm that Shari is there, but they don't know where she is specifically. So basically they're going to just stay and wait for Apophis to come back and then just like take the child from him. And we see in Kasus' tent, he's being beaten by a guard to find out Shari's exact location. He's like, I can't tell you what I don't know. And Tilk comes in, yells Jaffa. They both draw their Zat guns. And they're like, we got the whole Mexican standoff thing happening. And then we get a close-up of one of the Zat guns firing. But which one was it? Who shot first? Who could it be? Who could it be? So... Back in D.C., apparently the ceremony has been canceled due to the accident, and uh, Jacob has cancer. He has lymphoma. That's good. That's very sad. And Sam is obviously very distraught at this news, and he brings up the whole NASA thing again and how he only wants to see Sam achieve her dreams. And she's like, well, it's my dream, right? And he's like, well, fathers have dreams, too. And then congratulates her on the medal and just like walks away, leaving her there being like, dad, wait, dad. And like, it was, very... a really, it was a really crappy way to leave. I have cancer. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of see why they're estranged at this point in their lives. Yeah. Back on Abydos, the time has come. It is time for Shari to actually deliver the child. And she doesn't want to because she doesn't want Aminette to come back. But this is not, you know, really something you can just not do. Like once your body's like, I'm giving birth, you, you, you go and you give birth. That's um, not how babies work. No. So this no. is now the third child that Daniel has delivered that we know about. Hey. So uh, she gives birth. It's a boy. He, immediately her eyes flash and Almanette is back and she demands the child. However, a horse guard enters with her with his deck gun raised at Charay and he demands the child. But what well, that that voice sounds kind of familiar. So and is she magically not like in pain anymore either? I I, I, she I has guess the baby and the ghoul comes back and she's like, meh, whatever. I mean maybe I guess. I could have eight more of those and be fine. Yeah. So it seems like Daniel also recognizes the voice of the guy in the horse guard uniform and goes to stand by him still carrying the child. And the horse guard tells Sharae, tell Apophis Harrower has taken his son as his own. And then that's Sharae. And they go. The the helmet opens and hey, it's Tilk. So, what? Surprise. Surprise. It was Tilk the whole time. It was Tilk all along. <laughs> How could you not tell who it is by that voice? Yes. Yeah. That velvety uh, tilk voice. Yes. Daniel knew. So You can hear the eyebrow raise through the helmet. <laughs> what 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 does an eyebrow raise sound like? Remember this is a podcast, so you must demonstrate the noise. <laughs> <laughs> the sound of an eyebrow raise is mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Play along at home. Yes. So Tilk and Daniel head back to the village and give the child to Kasuf. And it is unfortunately now very dangerous for them to stay. And they like just they need to go into hiding. And Kasuf is sad that he may never see Share again. And Daniel tries to reassure him that, you know, Share is strong and that they will see her again. Like they'll make things right and they'll get her back. In the briefing room at the SGC, Hammond is presenting Jack and Sam with their medals for their exemplary service in destroying Apophis. 
Hammond is sorry that the president couldn't do this himself, but Sam insists that it's a greater honor to receive it from Hammond. Well, yeah, uh, we can actually congratulate him for what they're getting it for. I know. I was like, he can actually, yeah, you, you get the real reason for why you're getting the medal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're dismissed to get ready to ship out to join Daniel and Tilkan Abydos. Uh, but Jack is still obviously very upset about everything that happened in D.C. And Hammond's like, it was an accident. Like Jack's like, yeah, sure. OK, no. It is a different. It's an interesting moment where Hammond just looks at him. It was an accident. And he's like, right. Yeah. kind of a thing between both of them you know i know you know mm. yes i know you know i know that you know that i know mm-hmm. that you know yeah yes so back in the abedonian gate room tilk is back in disguise as a horse guard and is marching daniel towards the gate he tells harrower that serpent guards have taken the child and that this human is one of the tari who destroyed apophis and horse is just like what this guy he did he did his <laughs> And Daniel tries to propose an alliance between Harrower and the Towery against Apophis. And again, Harrower is like, I'm sorry, what? He, no. And commands Daniel to kneel before your god, as they always do. And Daniel doesn't, so Tilk has to do the thing where he like, whacks him in the back of the leg to make him kneel. And the Stargate then activates, and everybody's like, it's Apophis. So they all sort of get informationed. And, like, the the four Jaffa that are there, like, sort of take a position, like, right on either side of the gate, super close. And as, like, the kawoosh happens, Tilk shoves the guard in front of him into the kawoosh, like, killing him. That's one of the other guards. The other guard that's still, like, conscious and not, you know, dead manages to shoot him with his staff weapon, but it just kind of grazes his shoulder. And so Tilk manages to, like, zat him back, but he still is, you know, knocked back because he got the staff blast to the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And we see Harrower activate his personal shield. So who's coming through the gate? It's not Apophis. It's it's Jack and Sam. And they're, like, completely confused about, like, what's going on. It's basically, like, that gif of community from when Troy comes back with the pizza and, like, the whole apartment's on fire. It's like, what is happening here? What's going on? And they duck for cover as Daniel, like, shoves Harewer, who just, like, backhands Daniel in return. And Jack calls for cover. So Sam zats the guards that, like, Tilk had taken out. And they, you know, are dead and or disappeared at this point. Jack steps out shooting his gun at Harewer, but as we've seen, the shield just stops the bullets. So uh, Harrower's like, you dare challenge me? And Jack's like, I was thinking about it, and takes out his knife and throws it and manages to get Harrower right through the palm of his hand. Through pretty badass. I know, I'm like, ooh, Jack's got skills. Mm -hmm. Um, Like right through the the brain scrambling device he had. And uh, basically Harrower just like fucks off back to his ship through the rings because... Oh, his Jafar are dead, and he's got a knife yeah. in his hand. So he kind of what has the closing things of like you pay for this. <laughs> are you are you sure about that? I don't know. Um, okay. uh, at this point, um, Tilk has opened his helmet to reveal himself, which it's really lucky Sam didn't like shoot him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that too. Um, as you know, Jack goes to check on Daniel, and and then Sam goes. Good thing you remembered the shield's deflection capability is directly proportional to the amount of kinetic energy directed at it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, Sam. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, was that really necessary? I don't know. 
I was like, that's just somebody needing to do like techno babble for the sake of techno babble. Anyway, this whole thing, this is a very long story. What happened here? And now the gate activates again. <gasps> we, get this wonderful, we get this wonderful thing where in unison, in in unison, Daniel and Tilk go Apophis and Jack and Sam go, What? And so they gotta like go duck for cover. And so we get Apophis and several of his Jaffa coming through who seems to order them to go find Share in ancient Egyptian, but no need because she's there now complete with like fancy wardrobe change. And did you happen to notice like how Apophis came out of the gate? He almost like whatever costume they had him in for this scene, he looked like he was like prancing through the gate down the stairs, like, like with his, like with his hands out in front, like he was a little T-Rex, just like down the stairs. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, Apophis has some very interesting costumes. I'm sure he does. I could not unsee it. It was, it was his mannerisms in combination with like whatever getup they had him in. It was just, it was weird. Was it like he holding up like his skirt, like in his arms or something? Cause it was too long and he kept tripping on it or something. Something like that. It was just, it was weird. Yeah. It's worth watching twice to be like, what? Okay. Okay. I'll go back and rewatch the end just for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So Amonette now tells Apophis that Harrower took the child and she's like, I'm so sorry for allowing this to happen. Uh, He's obviously very upset, but still sort of like seems to treat her very gently because I guess he thinks she's upset too. So. It, it doesn't seem like Apophis blames her, at least, right now. <laughs> so, yet. Yay, yay, yet, yeah, yay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Jaffa go to dial the gate, and Amonet looks over directly at where Daniel and SG-1 are hiding. And then they head back through the gate, and once they're gone, uh, SG-1, they go to dial the gate because the pyramid ship is still there. And Jack asks Daniel if he's okay. And Daniel's like, no, 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 I'm not. Okay, no. Which, I mean, yay for that, at least. Where most people would be like, yeah, I'm fine. It's like, no, he's not okay. He's not. But he will be. And then Tilk also remarks on the whole Ammonet looking at them thing, which is very interesting indeed. And they step through the gate. And we have reached the end. And man, what a ride that was. Man, there's a lot that happens in that episode. The whole thing. The whole kit and caboodle. Tweedman. R.I.P. <laughs> yes, R.I.P. Tweedman. Uh, uh, any memos from this week? Oh, memos. Oh, you know what? I probably should have thought of some memos because I'm sure there's quite a bit in there. Like, don't tell people about the Stargate program. It's probably, you know, like, number one. I think that that already is a contact tweet. It's well, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole act. Yes. Um, don't contact reporters named Tweedman. It just, it never ends well. Uh, don't run over reporters with cars. There you go. That's a good one. Don't run over reporters with cars. Okay. Always wear your hat. Mm -hmm. Remember, there's going to be a memo sent out after that one. Always wear your hat outside when you're wearing your uniform. Damn it. Uh, remember that Thor's hammer exists? <laughs> yes. I can't believe they didn't put that one in there when they were like, we still have to find a way to help you. Um, 
I mean, there's an entire other episode about this very same thing. There's two. There's like two. There's two episodes. Well, one of them was about discovering it. The other one was about yeah finding Thor themselves. I know. It was but just still, a couple weeks ago. Not that long ago. <laughs> oh. Not very long ago. But yes. So maybe yeah. the memo could be referred to other memos. <laughs> Study all previous missions before you leave for your current mission. <laughs> Remember other memos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yep. I'm going on. Yep. Um, this week's episode title, I think, is fairly self-explanatory. You got the whole Deodorant. <laughs> the secret of Stargate and the secret of, like, Shari being pregnant and all that stuff. So. Secret of the nymph. <laughs> secret of my success. So many secrets. So many secrets. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Any final thoughts? How do you like this one? Good, bad, meh? Is that all right? What do you think? I can't believe that as monumental as this episode was, I did not remember any of it. I and forgot yet. that like that this episode was titled. Like I remember this episode, but I've com- completely forgotten the like the title of it and then when I saw like the little blurb on Netflix when I went to go watch I was like oh it's this one okay mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay not remember any of it I liked <laughs> it except I also couldn't remember why they hadn't contacted Avidos in forever so I was like man there better be a really good reason for this <laughs> otherwise they could have just like called Daniel months ago or mm-hmm. like why didn't they have regular contact with Avidos as long as they're developing working regular relationships with other planets yes silly to me and now that problem okay <laughs> all right thank you everybody for listening as always you can find us on twitter at sg underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo that's w-o-o-s-g rewatch at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review us please and we will see you next time for bane bye bye